This is the Wealth and Law Podcast, a podcast about the intersection of personal wealth and the legal landscape. We'll take a deep dive into relevant topics. We'll basically teach you what we know, and we'll engage with guests with deep expertise in their field. We hope that you'll enjoy this episode and many more episodes. So please join us on this journey as we try to bring you relevant information that is both timely and important for you to know in order to engage in this area of the world. Welcome to the Wealth and Law Podcast. I am Brent Nelson, and it being just about the end of the year, or maybe even the beginning of the year before this comes out, I actually don't know when this is coming out exactly, you might be in your business thinking, you know, those sales goals that we had last year were great, but we need some new ones for the coming year. And to sort those sorts of things out, you need somebody very smart like Ronnie Dever. Ronnie, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, for the people in the world who don't know who you are, why don't you give us your your CV? Yeah, I'll keep it short and sweet. Long story short, hi guys, my name is Ronnie Deaver. I'm the founder of Noble Marketing. We are the only uh, service marketing firm that I am aware of that uh, puts our money where our mouth is and has marketing campaigns that are guaranteed to be profitable uh, or guaranteed to double your firm, which I will talk about more later. But long story short, we're very addicted to finding exactly what do we need to do or exactly how do we need to help you to make you money at the end of the day marketing call volume all that's a vanity metric our job is not to generate calls or clicks our job is to make you more money to increase your revenue and increase your new client flow and that's what i'm here to talk about here today so how do you put your money where your mouth is what is that component oh see i didn't i didn't share that because it's you know a bit of a pitch but uh basically we have two main services right, or two main guarantees right now, which is for startup firms that are under $500,000 a year. Uh, we, we guarantee that if you run a campaign with us, that your campaign will be profitable in three months or less. If it's not profitable in three months or less, we'll work for free for up to three additional months. And if we fail after six months, it's never happened. But if we did, I would actually refund all of your money, including what you spent on ads. So I'm any given client I work with, I'm putting almost $15,000 of my own money on the line. Right. And the reason I did that, I started this firm under the idea of I don't want anyone to ever lose money on me, even if things don't go well, even if for whatever reason it was the wrong fit. I mean, stuff happens. You know, it's not just I failed as a marketer. Things go wrong. I don't ever want a scenario where somebody lost money on me. I hated that. I refused it. And so that's why I started Noble Marketing. And then just briefly for the people who are bigger than five hundred thousand dollars, anybody trying to get to that three million mark, we have a product that says basically we guarantee we'll double your firm's revenue in 12 months or less, or we'll work for free until we do. So again, very aggressive. You're trying to get that million plus mark, two million, three million mark. We'll help you get there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. That's that's what I tell my clients. Well, not exactly that I'll work for free, but that I'll uh, <laughs> I committed. always tell them. I always tell them and say, hey, if you if there ever comes a day that you feel like I'm not adding value, fire me. Oh, I, I say the same thing. I'm like, look, man, if I'm not making you, people ask you, do you lock me into contracts? And I'm like, I want to lock into a contract. If I'm not making you money, you should fire me. If I'm making you money, why would you ever fire me? What do I have to worry about? I don't need a right. contract. Like, right. <laughs> either I'm doing my job or I'm not. Like, that's it. Yeah, that's the deal. Well, and I, you know, it sounds like you and I are aligned on that. Like, I don't want to do things for people that aren't valuable. If I'm, oh, I hate if, if I'm doing things for people that are just not valuable, they don't perceive the value, then doesn't matter. Like, I don't want to be involved in that. So if they can't, yeah. even if, even if I subjectively think that it's valuable, if they don't perceive that it's valuable, yeah. we shouldn't work together. 
They shouldn't be yeah, spending their money I've on me. It's stupid. I learned that lesson the hard way, and I've learned to step away, you know, politely and kindly from clients. Once I fulfilled my obligations on my end, I'm like, hey, I've driven value here. I've helped them get at least enough to pay anything they paid off of on me and make that profitable. But these guys, for whatever reason, they're not well positioned to succeed for mm -hmm. internal issues, whatever have you, and I can't provide sufficient value. I'll step away. You know, I'll try everything I can before that to say, hey, how can we work together? How can we make this happen? These are the changes that need to happen. This is what we need to do. Right. But uh, nowadays, I'm like, look, this is a lifestyle. You know, um, I'm, 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 my business is my life in a very real way. It's about supporting my family and creating the life I want to live. And I don't want to live a life where I'm not providing value. And it's so easy as a marketing company specifically to kind of get into this mindset that your job is just to generate calls or generate leads or generate tra the worst is just say traffic or clicks or impressions or profile views or uh, post views or video views. And it's so easy to get completely disconnected from the real objective and the real you know, fact that like at the end of the day, I'm affecting every one of my clients' livelihoods, right? I mean, I've got right. stories of people who went from bankruptcy to retirement because they could afford it for the first time, you know, like wild stories of doubling and tripling their business that, that completely shifted their lives and their perspectives. And that's what I'm here to do. You know, I'm not here just to get paid to get some fancy numbers of, yeah, you got a thousand website visitors. Woo. Right? Like, that's not what I'm here to do. So yeah, I, I relate to you quite a bit on that. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. You called them, you called them vanity metrics, I think before, which is, uh, which is pretty true. And, and that's, uh, uh, so it, Everything's a van. If it doesn't turn into dollars, it's a vanity metric. Like everything, and I, and I tell people, like, the main goal is dollars, money, right? Either it turned into a case or it turned into a client or it didn't, okay? Every other number is a supporting metric or a vanity metric, but mostly a supporting right. metric. Like even call volume. I mean, we mm -hmm. were briefly talking about this before. I mean, I've met people mm -hmm. who on 100 calls a month, they can make a million dollars a year. I've met people on 100 calls a month, they make $250,000 a year, right? And we'll talk yeah. about that later and why that's so and how you know how important getting your sales team and your intake team in, in place is, is to that. But the point is, is that at the end of the day, the only number that really matters is not calls, not clicks, not any of that. It's did it turn into dollars? That's it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree with that. Because it doesn't, you know, you if you have 10 calls and all 10 of them turn into, say, in the professional services ranks, really great clients, yeah. Who cares that you didn't get 100 calls? Oh, yeah, it doesn't matter at all. Heck, you didn't have to answer 100 calls. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> that could be great, you know? Uh, <laughs> and it's actually, it's wild. We'll talk about this later. But um, the, the you know, when people ask, like, what's the number one thing you can do that's going to make the biggest difference in your business and your sales? If you look at, like, the lever, and I think about levers of, like, things you can pull that make that big difference. The lever of your closing rate on how successfully you close, like, if you have a consultation with somebody, you if you if you close that at an 80% rate, yeah. like, I mean, it's it's just crazy how much that because now everything else you do all your calls that come in all your consultation everything is far more effective because now you're making twice as much money on the same input right and so the game changes from that perspective for, for, from that point um so yeah we'll, we'll talk more about it but yeah be, people being able to close their deals is, is way more important than call volume in my opinion <laughs> right right yeah, it, it's interesting. I, I have a little bit of a nuance to that when we get to it here in a second. But um, there's well, why don't why don't we work that way? Because it seems what you're suggesting, unless you correct me here, Ronnie, <laughs> is that you have to start from the end point and work backwards. Oh, yeah. So if you're thinking, of, you know, sometimes when people will talk about like a sales funnel or a you know a sales plan or buckets or what, it doesn't really, really matter what imagery you use. You're talking about the the end goal being somebody actually engages you and then working backwards from that. So 
So what are the things that are the the real important bits to getting somebody to engage you or that will will increase the odds of somebody engaging you that you kind of focus with your clients? Yeah. Yeah. And I guess if you don't mind, I'm reframe it a little bit. Like, you yeah, know, of course. The, 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 you know, if we kind of talk, what we've been talking about you know, this whole time is the idea that the goal is to make money. Right. And so what are you trying to work backwards from? Well, you're trying to usually hit some sort of revenue goal. Right. And if you want to hit some sort of revenue goal, say you're currently making $300,000 a year and now you want to make 600000 or 600000 you want to make 1.2. Okay, like you can run that backwards if you have your numbers down. All right. And let's talk about what are these numbers that go into determining exactly what do you need to do to get there? Right. Because at the end of the day, if anyone's hiring me or they're working with any of this, kind of, you're talking about goals you mentioned for 2023. What are we trying to achieve? Well, you got to set the goal. And of course, then we have to say, okay, well, how do we get to the goal? And you only can get there if you know what numbers make that difference. Right. And the numbers I've found that make the key difference are these four. The big four are one average case value, right? And that sounds like a really weird or average client value. It's a, it's a weird thing to say, but especially as a service firm, there's a, a factor of economies of scale that things take time, things take effort. If you're not charging enough, if you're at the bottom rate, and I know everyone listening, you're like, but people will only pay this. That's not true. Here's a harsh reality. You probably suck at sales. At the end of the day, nobody thought you were worth that much money. It's not about what people are willing to pay. People will pay for things they think are valuable. Oh, but they don't have the money. Now they have the money. They can go get a credit card if they had to. They didn't think you were that valuable. But anyways, average client value, if you're not making, and this is a bare minimum number, three to $5,000 at least on every client, your economies of scale just don't work in a service business. And the re, or, or it's, unless you get to the point that you're so big that you can do it. But even those guys, I've seen law firms that have 14 attorneys and their average client value is $1,500 and they're miserable, right? They're miserable. Sure, they're big and they've got a giant team, but their profitability is non-existent, right? And they're incredibly overworked and they're unhappy. But that's going to happen on a small scale too. I did the math once. If you only make $2,000 per client, you would have to serve 290 clients a year to make $500,000. You ain't got the time. You don't want to live that life. Nobody wants to live that life. So the number one metric I tell, I talk to people about when they're trying to reach any financial goal is, hey, look, you've got to figure out what your current average client value is now. And what it needs to be is at least three to 5,000. Anything above that, your life gets easier. Life always gets easier when you move up. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but I assure you, even if it's a smaller market, your life is easier as you go up. All right. So that's average case value. We can go to the other ones, but I was going to leave it open if you have any comments and feedback there on that one. No, I, I completely agree. And I think any of our listeners who have been in their professional services uh, business for any amount of time know that even clients who get charged a small amount of money will complain about the <laughs> amount of money that they're getting paid. They're just so as the, much work. <laughs> it's just, it might even be more. Yeah, actually, if, if they, they often complain, are. I mean, the reality is if they don't, if they complain and they don't pay, it costs you far more money yep. on a percentage basis to collect it because then you're spending more of your time, which is eating into your, your perceived profitability just to collect that money. And it's a smaller amount of money. So by percentages, it's it's even worse. So yeah, it's sort of the snake eating its own tail sort of situation. We will do some of that. Uh, and I think everybody probably does this in on some level, not necessarily as a core competency, but sometimes we'll do it just as a little bit of a loss leader or as a, you know, it's a it's a professional courtesy to another professional who who we do business with where they might have something very small they need done for themselves or one of their clients and we'll just go ahead and do it for them. 
But yeah. that's not the focus of our business. Now, on top of that, that also gets into a little bit of a, a little bit more complex math, because if that's a business associate who you do a little bit of work for, you don't make much money on, but they send you referrals, mm-hmm. who then you get full money back on. Mm-hmm. One could argue that the average client value of that particular attorney or whoever you're working with is the average of all the money they're sending you. Right. right? You know, right. It's, it's, there's an argument. So that's worth it. Now, I'd still be careful of doing any kind of reduced workload uh, for anyone, unless you are finding some way to make sure that you're getting something out of it in the end. It's it's just a it's a dangerous place to be. Yes, um, <laughs> you can't be in the business of loss leaders. You can't. That, that is not a good business model. No, and even if you're doing something like loss leader products for clients, like I've seen this, um, it's not a great strategy in estate planning, but I have seen it. For example, people do cheap wills and trusts. Or sorry, wills um, and powers of attorney. And then their goal is to get on the back end trust, probate, estate administration, stuff like that. Like you can have it that initially the client doesn't make three thousand, five thousand dollars in their first interaction. But by the end of the interaction or however, whenever the end is for your service, right, you need to have made that three thousand or five thousand dollars. Right. So it can be multiple transactions, three, four different services over time. Um, it can be recurring revenue. It can be anything. But as long as you've made three, at least three to five thousand dollars, the numbers work for you. They don't really work for you below that number. They really struggle below that number, right? And now at the end of the year is a great time to figure out where you're at. Like go back, look at all of this year's clients and just just run them out. Do a basic number, right? Just take them all. Actually, heck, don't even do that. Get your total revenue for the year once you get your books finished up. Have Figure out how many new clients you took on or how many clients you actively served and just divide it. And just call that your number. Like get a base number. Like don't think that hard about this. Just get a base number and just figure out are you even close? Are you in the ballpark? Are you not? Right. And we'll talk about why this matters. But like when we do the math later, you'll see that it makes so much sense. And it's like when you pull this lever, every other lever gets twice as effective. And we're going to talk about that throughout all these levers. And I mentioned this earlier is each time you make the lever twice as effective, there's an exponential factor because now that one's twice as good. But then we do the next one. It's not that it's just twice as good. Now it's two times two. Now it's four times good. And then the next lever, two times two times two, right? Now it's eight times as good, right? And we do the fourth one. Now it's 16 times as good, right? So there's an exponential factor that starts to happen when you improve each of these levers Right. And that's why it's so important to start at the beginning, which is the beginning is how much you actually making when you do get a client. Right. What's your average case value? So I, I'm happy to move on to the second metric. Yeah. But I want to see if any further comments. Well, let me let me ask you one other little nuance on that. Yeah. When you're measuring those those numbers, do you think people should measure them as a net number or a gross number? I tend to do the math when I when I say three thousand five thousand, I talk about it on net. I don't talk. Uh, sorry, on gross, on gross, mm-hmm. not net. Um, okay. I, th- those numbers for me were designed pre-profit, pre-anything like that. Like when I tracked it, um, I just said for me, like when I when I worked with all my lawyers and I said, okay, well, in on average, a lawyer is profitable in a range between 50 and 80 percent um, on um, on net, right? Um, I think oh my god, now I'm getting my own terms messed up. But usually they're 50 to 80 percent profitable. Yeah. And then, yeah. And, and then minus any expenses after that. So I guess I may be saying. Um, Depends on how you do your math and how you run your books, but anyways, point is 50, 80 percent. Yes. If you're not if you're not making a 50 percent, 50 to 80 percent on uh, gross profit here, that's what I mean. Yeah. Then you might want to do some different numbers than what I'm saying here. Mm-hmm. But if you are, which is true for most service businesses, most service businesses are marking up at least two to two and a half times, um, you know, what it costs for them to do their business. Then uh, these numbers will work for you. And I would right. do it based on your revenue number, right? What do you actually charge the client? These numbers were based on what are you charging the client, not your actual profitability on that client. That's a different number. So you could run that math too. It'd be even it'd be even better, right? If you make three to five thousand dollars in profit on a client, then this is these numbers will work even better for you. Right? There's no downside to that. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, but that's an easier me- it's much easier to track the gross number. Oh, it's so way if you're easier. trying to run rough numbers, it's a lot easier to do the gross number. Yeah. No, absolutely. So yeah, all of it, right? like just literally how much do you charge the client? That's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's all and how much gross revenue did you collect from them in this, right. you know, from that client when you from beginning to end of engagement. Okay, so that was the first thing. Yeah. Right, what's next? So that was the first lever. Huge. That's your starting point. If you don't if you're not making at least that number, you need to seriously reconsider your pricing strategy because everything else you do afterwards is going to get harder, right? Again, I met, told you that firm that had 14 lawyers, they're making lots of money, kind of, but their profitability is now down to like 10% because it doesn't scale because you have to have so much support staff. Like there's so many things that go wrong as you, it's great in the beginning. You're like, I get so many clients. It's awesome, right? Like people, people are signing up because it's cheap, right? Like it's a great, it's a great deal, but like it falls apart very quickly. So that's why that's lever number one. Lever number two, right? And again, you'll note here that I'm not talking about marketing yet at all, right? These are all pre-marketing stuff. But lever number two is what I like to call your call to consultation close rate, okay? And it's exactly what it sounds like, which is basically for every 10 calls you get, how many of those do you or your team, if you have somebody answering it, how many of those do you or your team successfully convert into consultations or whatever your next step is in your sales process. You know, I don't know what everybody's sales process is here. Usually with a lawyer, somebody calls, they say I have an illegal problem. Your intake person then tries to either set up a free consultation or they sell them on a paid consultation. Either way, the percentage you want to gun for is about 35%, which is what I'm saying is that if 10 people call you, on average, you want somewhere between three and four of those turning into consultations on you or your salesperson's calendar, all right? Anything more than that, I've seen people do 50, 60%. I've seen it. You can get there. It's a sales skill. It's a, it's a, it's a thing that can be done. Um, it's great. Anything less than that and everything gets brutal. Everything is hard. Everything falls apart. It doesn't matter how many calls you get because you're just not going to get enough consultations to have them turn into cases. You're not talking to enough people and you need to talk to people to make the money you want to make. Right. So that's the second metric. Yeah. And that probably depends a little bit on uh, the nature of the practice for everybody. I'm sure every, everybody will have an idea of, of what their particular practice is like. Um, and I'm assuming if, if uh, you know, if you're sort of running those percentages or you're sort of looking at the percentages, it also matters how many calls you're getting uh, because that say 30 to 35% is is a percentage of some number of calls that you're getting if you're only getting two or three calls yeah that's not a very good number so <laughs> true well know, but, even on, three, but even, on three, three, even on three calls though if you had a 35 percent, you're getting one consultation though and i've met many people on three calls they don't even get one yeah yeah that's true and maybe the quality of the calls also also makes a difference that of course you can't control for but the, well you can a little bit but one of the pushbacks i want to put on is that mm-hmm. most service professionals i've met are quick to blame lead quality when if you look at their reality they haven't spent any time or spent any training for them or their team on trying to get good at the sales process Mm. they don't they don't track it they don't look at it they don't know nobody taught them sales they didn't take any courses certainly law school didn't teach you college didn't teach you nobody (laughs) taught you no nobody taught you how to be good at sales not a single person but yet the first thing people assume is the problem is always lead quality it's always oh if this was a good lead they would just hand their money over is basically how they think Right. And I, I and I say that a bit tongue in cheek and a little frustrated to be honest. If I it, but the it, but the reason I bring this up is that more than likely they haven't. Most people have not put sufficient effort into becoming good at sales. And until you but you become at least know you're great at sales, I don't think you're qualified to say lead quality is the issue. And I would suggest that you're you're better served trying to bend the rod is how I like to say bend the rod the other way and start by assuming. 
that the problem is you. Start by assuming that the problem is that your team's not doing well enough at answering the phone, or they're missing calls, or they're not pitching your consultation well, or they're not making people excited to work with you, or they're not building urgency, or they're not doing – there's a lot. Like There's a lot of skill that goes into taking somebody who, depending no matter where they came from, they probably don't know that much about you. But taking them from not knowing much about you to getting them to like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to work with this guy. They feel like they're going to solve my problems. That is an art. That is a skill. It can be learned. It can be systematized. And in my experience, most service people have never looked into that at all. And the first thing they cry is lead quality. And that doesn't make sense to go, go become the best salesperson you can. And then when you fully understand that, then you'll actually know what lead quality even means and to what degree it's actually a problem. Right. But until you do, you become that skilled at sales, you're not going to know lead quality, which is why, again, I'm I'm really suggesting, no, bend the rod the other way. Like don't get lost in lead quality. Don't get lost in call volume. Yes, those things matter. But in my experience, most people aren't ready to look at those yet because they haven't put the skill in yet to becoming good at sales, which is why we're starting this conversation here. I'm like, no, 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 start here, become better at sales. You're probably not good. Nobody taught you. That's okay. I'm not like, it's, it's not a big deal. You don't, it's not, it, it's normal to suck at sales at first. I sucked at sales for years, 10 years. It took me to figure it out. It doesn't have to take that long, but for me it did, but like work on that first, bend the rod towards that way and then go back and say, Hey, we have a lead quality problem or a lead volume problem. Right. Love it. Take, take responsibility. Look in the mirror first, sort your stuff out yeah. before you start blaming somebody else. Yeah. All right. What's next? Yeah. So that's, that's metric number two. So now we had the first one, uh, you know, increase your average case value, average client value. Second one, increase your call to consultation rate. If we were to put those two together, if you doubled both of those numbers, that's two times two. You've now got four times improvement in your money-making ability here, right? Well, then the next kind of third metric here that we're going to talk about is your consultation to client close rate, which again is a fairly obvious metric. It's a similar one of, hey, every consultation you do, how successful are you turning them into actual clients? So ideally, again, we use a very simple number. These are the numbers we developed after working with 250 lawyers of just saying, hey, generally speaking, what's going to get you to where you want to be? 35% is another very solid number. If you can convert 35%, so if you meet with 10 people, three to four people into clients, you're going to find yourself scaling and succeeding at a healthy, comfortable rate that doesn't feel like you're stressing and barely surviving to get to your goals, right? It's going to feel like you're comfortably chugging along. Any higher than that, you're going to feel like you're just blitzkrieging. You're just like, you're crushing your goals. You're getting there, especially if you fix those first two things ahead of time, right? Like, but if you can do 35% of a close rate, and I've seen estate planning lawyers and other various people get to 80%. So it's possible. You can get up there. But bare minimum, 35%, you're, you're, you're going to be sitting pretty. You're going to be you're going to be chugging towards your goals. Yeah. I, so, OK, so when you run those numbers for for anybody bad at math, then what is what is that? What does that mean per call call to close? Yeah. So we did, we did call the consultation and then consultation to close. What does that mean? Call to close. Yeah. So that's actually one of my favorite meta numbers. I don't usually talk about it. It's not one of my big four, uh, but it's one that I like to use. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just saying like, how successful are you turning calls into clients? Um, I mean, I don't What's the percentage on that? I think the, I'll just do it. So if you were to get uh, it's 10, 10 ish. Yeah. So that's like a 12% okay. is what it is. Yeah. No, no it would be a 12% conversion rate of turning call, every call you get. So if you get a hundred calls, you would expect 12 clients, right? Mm-hmm. Is what that number would be. Mm-hmm. All right. And so how this math ends up working out is getting somewhere between, you know, if I were to say like, if I just put some general math out there, if you were to say you want to generate 10 clients a month, all right, then we know that you need to. 10 divided by 0.1225. You need to generate about 81 calls a month. All right. And so if you're getting 10 clients a month, if you're charging $5,000 per client, 
you know, you're making like $50,000 a month, which is a pretty nice number of $600,000 a year, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's a very sustainable, healthy service business. Um, And 81 calls a month is effectively not that hard. What kind of investment goes into that? Right. And then we just get, you can see how we can start running the number. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, you, yeah that's the working backwards part. Right? I can work backwards, right? I can go from here's your goal. You want to hit 600,000. Great. Your average case value is what? Great. Okay. Now I'm going to take the number you want. What's the delta? You're at 300,000. You want to hit 600,000, right? Now I know the delta is 300,000. Okay. Great. Your average case value is 5,000, right? So if I take 300,000, just continue our math here, divide that by 5,000. I now know you need to make 60 extra clients per year. Okay. Great. Well, what's your close rate? Well, about 35%. Well, now I can divide that number by 0.35. And now I know, okay, you need to have 171 consultations to reach 60 clients. All right, well, 171 consultations, well, how many calls do we need to generate? Well, then we know that we convert right now 0.35 or 35% of our calls into consultations. So we can do the same thing divided by 0.35. And boom, now we know over the next year, we need to generate an extra 490 calls, right? And if I were to divide that by 12, put that on a monthly level, you need an extra 41 calls a month, right? Which is a very, very doable number. But you can see here how you can suddenly figure out what do you actually need to do? What do you, what are you actually trying to achieve? Because you know, of all things in the fourth metric here is call volume, which is what we're talking mm-hmm. about effectively here. And we're finally mm-hmm. on call volume. Call volume, in my experience, is like the easiest thing to control for service businesses out of all your options. And the reason it may not feel easy is because you don't know some of the things that I know. We're going to talk about marketing and how like Google my business and Google is honestly like, it's kind of silly how easy it is. If I'm being honest with myself, it's kind of silly how easy it is to generate 30, 50, 60, sometimes a hundred calls a month just from Google. Um, So call volume is not the hard part, but either way, that's the fourth metric call volume. Uh, But once you know how to do that, you can get the calls. It's these other metrics then that determine everything. Right. Because mm-hmm. if, we, if we work these same numbers backwards, if I were to say, let's just drop this down to, say, 25 percent, you could you close if you currently say you close 25 percent of your consultations into clients and only 25 percent of your calls into consultations. Right. Run these same numbers backwards. You want to make three. And we'll just assume you still make five thousand dollars on each of them because that's easy math for now. Um, but if we take that same thing, say, OK, you, you need 60 clients, divide that by 0.25, divide that by. 0.25. Now we need to make 960 calls a year. 960. That's more than double what we were just talking about. Right now divided by 12. It, we have, Now we have to do 80 plus per month of calls. And the only thing that changed was your call to consultation close rate and your consultation to client rate. And you can see how then suddenly, well, that's a lot harder goal. 80 calls a month. That's pretty hard. <laughs> Right. Like, right. That's, a, that's a lot of work. Right. Uh, but and you have less control of that. Like it's it's easier in the sense that, like, I know how to do it. And we can talk about that. But it does have a certain level of it, it gets hard the more volume you need. There's a certain plus you have to handle those calls, answer those calls like you've got there's 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 scaling work that goes into this. And the thing that you can control the most, if you know how, is you can control how good are you at sales? How good is your team at intake? How you can actually control that. That's a skill problem. That's a training problem. That's a structure problem. That's an operational problem. These are things that you can directly with no bars held just control through effort, diligence, intelligence, and just practicing and noticing it. Uh, and through a diligent effort, you can just control it and it makes everything else easier. And then call yeah. your, your call, the call volume you need to reach your goal will drop exponentially based on your ability to convert calls into consultations, consultations into clients, and of course, more importantly than anything, is actual case client value. Because if I were to have dropped that client value uh, down to, to say like three thousand dollars, I mean, you just do that math: three hundred thousand, you know, divided by three thousand, 
now you need instead of 60 clients, you need 100 clients, right? Right. Right. <laughs> it would right. Be, exactly. The, the math gets real brutal real fast because the other thing that's killing you in all of this is you've got to answer all those calls. You got to show up to all these consultations. You got to serve all these clients. You got to do all this, right? Like so, so the numbers, especially as a service business, because every client takes more work and more hours, the numbers just get more and more painful for you all the way down to hit your financial goal if these four levers, mostly these first three levers, mm-hmm. are not optimized first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes total sense. And it's it focuses on things that you can control, and it focuses on factors that will directly relate to how much effort and how much infrastructure you have to build on the back end yeah. to sustain what you're trying to accomplish. One One very small nuance is that what we're talking about, I think, is really new business. Yeah. And of course, everybody would have to de- determine for themselves how much of their business is each year by percentage on averages. You know, it's going to be a little not a little bit more art than science sometimes. How much of it is new business versus repeat business? But you can you can start to isolate down what that is that you need, like you're saying, and then you can work backwards from those numbers or yeah. how much that needs to grow from those based on those numbers to reach whatever target you want, and then work backwards from there. And and I think everybody um, in most professional service uh, industries does not does not really have 100% new business every year. Even litigators who are, you know, say you do one one case for one client and then they're gone, then another case for another client, then they're gone. I mean, some of those clients do come back and everybody knows that things come back and yeah. you do get repeat business, but everybody has to know their own numbers to figure out like how much of this is repeat, how much of this is brand new revenue, and then work backwards from there based on their goals. And I do encourage, I love that point, um, you know, repeat business is awesome, but as much as possible when it comes to like what makes your business feel safe and thriving and like you're happy to be doing it, the thing that makes you not feel dependent, the thing that makes you feel like you have control of your destiny is new business. Yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> of course. It, it's the thing that like you can't control if somebody comes back, right? You have right. no idea. Right. right. Uh, you have no sense. They might. But even if they do come back, you still always feel that sense of like, oh, gosh, you're going to stay on their good side because if they don't come back. My business suddenly doesn't have the revenue that I expect. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's a it's a painful place to be. And so to make sure you really enjoy your business and make sure that you're always feeling like you're in your best mindset, which requires you feeling super safe, like your things are under control. You're not surviving. You're thriving. Right. I encourage people to really focus and emphasize the new business side as much as possible. Not that you shouldn't have repeat business or try to get people back or nurture them back. That's all awesome. That'll make you a lot of money. That's great. But if you already have, I encourage you do this first. Get your new business systems in line such that every if you come into every month just comfortably knowing you're going to sign another five clients, another 10 clients, you don't even doubt it. You just know because that's what's happened for the last 12 months. Everything in your business gets easier. Your day is easier. Your numbers are easier. Everything about your life is happier. You're like, I don't need to go in today. We're okay. We've got the money. I don't need to stress about this. You make better decisions. Your whole life is freer, right? Like if a repeat client comes back, it's nice, but it doesn't make your whole life easier in the same way that controlling your new client development just fundamentally shifts the game. Completely agree. Couldn't couldn't agree more. There's actually a a Gary Vaynerchuk uh, quote where he says something like top line growth solves every problem. I love that. And I think that's true. It's true. If you know the money's coming in, there's a lot of things that can go wrong that get fixed by all the new money coming in. Okay, so let's assume somebody listens to every word that you say. They do. They, they're <laughs> like the gospel according to Ronnie. I'm 
I'm I'm an adherent. They do it all. Uh, you mentioned Google My Business and ways to kind of then get the get the phone to ring. So how do people use those sorts of tools effectively? Yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to call volume and you know generating viable client leads uh, as a service business, uh, it it is fortunately quite easy uh, because of one thing, which is Google, right? And I've actually I, and it sounds weird, but I, I've tracked like 250 not just lawyer campaigns. If you include non-lawyer campaigns, it's closer to 300. Uh, but I've tracked, say, 250 plus service-based business leads, right? So, I mean, sorry, look, they're, they are lawyers and I tracked all of their leads. I would track their calls, their form fills, their live chats, everything. If it came in, I knew about it, right? I tracked all of them. And what I discovered is what blew my mind and shifted my perspective and caused me to start this business the way I did was I found out that for service-based businesses, on average, across the board, it didn't matter if it was a PI attorney or a family lawyer. It didn't matter if it was in Canada or the United States. It didn't matter if it was in Mexico or Nigeria. It didn't matter where it was. 72%, 72% of all of their new client leads came directly or indirectly from Google My Business. One wow. asset, one asset, literally one. Not their website, Google My Business. Okay. And you think about it, it makes it, there's a couple of reasons why this makes intuitive sense, right? Which is one, uh, service-based businesses are inherently problem-based businesses. And what I mean by that is people either have the problem or they don't. Like you can go door to door and sell a vacuum, but you're not really going to go door to door and sell a divorce, right? Like people either need a divorce or they don't. There's very little in between, right? Like there's no like awareness campaign that says, do you need a divorce? I can help. Right. We're like, are exactly. you sure you don't? Here's how I can help you, right? Like people don't do that. Like you either have the problem or you don't. And when people have a problem, the first thing they do is go to Google, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's mm -hmm. why Google is so powerful broadly for service businesses. But then further, why is it so powerful for small businesses and firms like people listening here is because when you Google, the first thing you're going to see is ads, which I do recommend. I do like ads, and we'll talk about that later if we have the time. But below that, the first thing they see and what most people go to immediately is what's known as Google My Business, now called Google Business Profile technically, also known as the Map Pack, the 3 Pack, the 5 Pack, the Local Pack. There's a lot of different names for it. But the first thing you see is – one of the first things people see is all those star reviews, right? All the things – locations near me literally lawyers near me. Excuse me. I apologize about that. Uh, lawyers near me. That's like – that. That's what most people see. It's like 50% of the screen. And mm -hmm. I mean, here's an intuitive experience. When's the last time you've gone to like a restaurant's website? I mean, if you look for a restaurant, you look for a restaurant near me, you see their reviews, you look at their menu, you can even book a, a table now all from this little map pack. You don't even go to the website, right? And the same is true for lawyers. The same is true for any service-based businesses. Uh, the, the specific percentage is about 61% of callers who call call directly from Google My Business without ever going to the website. They don't go to the website at all. They just yeah. call from that profile. Yeah, the other 11%, the other 11% is people who call from they go to the website but they can't they got there by looking at Google My Business and clicking the website link on mm -hmm. Google My Business. Mm -hmm. And so it still came from Google My Business, they just went to the website and then called. And that's only 11 11%. 61% of it is just from Google My Business. And so that once you realize that, like if you learn how to take advantage of that asset, I'm not going to have time to go too deep into it, but there's a lot of grunt work you can do, a lot of review generation. You can do. Once you realize that that asset is not just a set and forget asset and that it generates a ridiculous call volume and that the people who top that market, who show up on top, who rank highly and outcompete there are generating literally – I have some people who generate 350 calls a month from one Google My Business asset, 350 from one asset. Once you realize that that's possible, it changes the game. Put all your effort there. You're probably setting and forgetting it. And if you put effort there, you can pretty easily in as little as 90 days generate 30, 
maybe 50 calls a month. In six months, you're generating pretty easily 50, 60 calls a month. And anything after that, you're going to hit maybe 80 plus calls a month. And it's it's just it, it's it's easy and it's simple, I should say, in the sense that it's not hard to talk about, but it's right. a lot of work in the sense of what goes into it to get there. But it's simple in the fact that it's just grunt work every single month, generating reviews every single month, and just putting in the effort that nobody is. And that profile will generate just a ridiculous amount of calls for your firm. Right. Love it. Well, you're you're right. We won't have time to to dig into all those details uh, today, which yep. means we're we're probably going to have to have more conversations in the future if you're <laughs> if you're amenable I'm to, very it. Open but, to it. Yeah. Uh, Thank you so much, uh, Ronnie. This is really interesting. And I hope it's helpful for a lot of our listeners who are service providers or business owners, and they're trying to to wrap their mind around how do they improve the business, which, as you keep saying, it's about making money. If you're not improving the business, basically, it's making money. Yeah, how do you improve the business in the next year? Uh, obviously, you're full of great ideas. What's the easiest way for someone to reach you if they're trying to reach you? Yeah, easiest way to reach me is if you go to nobullmarketing.co. That's N-O-B-U-L-L marketing.co, not .com. It's on my list of to-dos. It's a $10,000 domain. I'll buy it. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have it eventually. Go there on the website on the top right is a time to book a consultation. You and I can chat directly, whoever you, you know, if you want to talk to me personally. And I'd love to work with you to actually figure out your numbers, right? If I can work with you to help you understand and go through like, hey, what's your average case, or more importantly, what's your revenue goal? How much are you trying to go grow? What's your average case value? How successfully do you currently convert calls into consultations? How successfully do you convert consultations into um, cases or our clients? Like once we know those numbers, I will work backwards with you and tell you exactly what needs to happen. And we'll literally be able to tell you like, hey, this is exactly how much money you need to spend to get there based on these metrics. Or I can say, hey, your better option is instead of doing that, let's fix these other things. And we have training and programs and stuff that we do to help people with that. Like we have, we have scripts, we've got training, we've got one-on-one -on -one coaching, or we've got options. We'll help you get those numbers where you want them to be. And then we'll also then help you get the call volume. But either way, if you can tell me these numbers and we can work together to find these numbers by booking that consultation on noblemarketing.co, I will help you reach whatever financial goal you want to make happen. Nice. And you will you will do it for free if it doesn't work. You're a man yeah. of your word. You guarantee yeah. your your process. Look, man, if you uh, hit these numbers, there's no way I'm going to fail. That's it, right? Like, yeah. I, I know the numbers. At the end of the day, why do I do this? How do I have faith in it? It's not blind. It's not blind luck. I just have faith in my numbers, and I've ran 250 campaigns, right? And I'm like, well, if you, if you hit these numbers, you'll succeed. It's that simple. Yep, yep. Well, very good. Ronnie, thank you again so much. Uh, I can't thank you enough for for spending time with me. I know everybody's busy, so I, I really appreciate you carving out some time for me today. I had a blast, and I hope everyone uses this for 2023 planning to set your goals and to crush your financial uh, outcomes. Absolutely. Hey, listeners. Thanks again for joining me on the podcast. It's fun to do it for you. If you're enjoying it, please subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to my blog at wealthandlaw.com and follow me on social media at wealthandlaw. I'll see you there.